0: Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Hey, hey, friends, it's Natalie, and I'm back with another episode from the Ops Authority Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. And today, we're going to be talking all about the lessons that 2019 has brought me. So, Business is ever-evolving, and we do ourselves a total disservice if we don't change with it, and I personally experienced a big shift in 2019, and while I say that, it was 80% intentional. I created the shift. Some of those reasons for the changes were external factors, like my audience had changed, my market needs were being evaluated, and it popped up and also technology, and others were internal, like my messaging, refining my offers, and then of course, creating some new ones. So if you're listening to this in real time, December 2019, you're probably multitasking as you hear this, right? I know for myself, I've done a lot of podcast listening while I'm cleaning the house, decorating the house and all of that. So I totally get you. But you've probably got a personal to-do list. It's a mile long and it's likely that it's going to take the priority for the next 20 or so days. Today's episode, along with the next three, are going to dive into some of my year-end thoughts, my reflection, and some actionable exercises that you can use to wrap up your year as well. So I hope you'll listen along with me. It's my hope that this will open your thinking while you assess what works and what has not, along with creating a 2020 that is easier, more profitable, and more balanced. I know that's exactly what I want, and I'm hoping that this will help you to do the same. So in this episode, I'll be sharing the changes that my business has gone through in 2019, and I'll also share the external changes we all faced and how I've chosen to address them. So let me preface with this. I'm a slow start kind of gal, which means that I take a long time to adjust to change, create change, or even execute change. It's the way that I'm wired, and I'm so grateful to know it because it means that I heavily leverage other people around me, like my team, my mastermind sisters. Those folks are what I consider my support staff, and they challenge me to move faster than I naturally would. I say this because I'm about to describe some changes that have affected me, and mentally, when change comes to me, I freeze, or I try to make it right, or I try to correct it, And while I'm very accepting of change, I definitely do a whole lot of mental work around it. So I naturally go into systematizing things and also overthinking, like deep pondering. It's like it gets stuck in my head and it does not come out. And if somebody comes to me and says that Facebook is going to change or something in the market changes, then I will look at everything that I can do within my control, keyword control, to systematize and make a process around it so it's more dependable, which has obviously lent itself very well to me in building my business and other businesses around me, but it's not always the greatest thing. So this is where I always start. And if I don't get the results that I expected, that's when I have to turn to my support staff. This is always slows me down a little bit, but it allows me to feel really supported and justified in changing directions. Most times I just need somebody else to either pave the way for me or be that accountability. So if you happen to be a quick start, and by the way, I'm getting these terms, slow start and quick start from a tool that I often use, and it's called the Colby A assessment, K-O-L-B-E. The link will be in the show notes if you're interested in taking that assessment. It's something that I use and we'll be talking a lot about on this podcast. So if you're a quick start, you likely go through a different process than the one that I just described. There is not a superior style, so you're not good for being a quick start and I'm not bad for being a slow start or vice versa, but it's just so good to know who and what you are, how you operate, so that you're equipped when change happens. Alrighty, on to the good stuff. This is all about what 2019 taught me. Number one, I have zero issues speaking publicly or even doing live video. I'm decent with impromptu conversations, and I'm really good in conflict. So speaking is nothing that is new to me, and I'm never short on words. However, my mindset did a number on me when it came to accomplishing a dream of mine this year, which was actually starting this podcast. My team had agreed on a start date of January 1, 2019, and then hashtag all the doubts set in, and then I personally pushed the release date back to March and then May, and then June, and then, oh my goodness, summer was coming. What was I going to be doing with the kids at home and trying to record a podcast? Well, as it all turned out, it finally ended up airing and releasing on July 30th, smack dab in the middle of summer when my kids were home. But all the while I had Esther, my right-hand gal, who was in my ear listening to me, guiding me and supporting me, but it was not enough to get the imposter out of my head. I vividly remember pacing around my house and boxering with Esther and admitting I was super scared. Now, I'm a brave and a super confident person, but I was totally scared. And this isn't something I'm used to feeling. When I hear of adversity, when I hear of something, I am always the person who's going to be that fact finder, that slow start that comes up with a diligent plan. But when I took a hot minute to reflect on why it was that I was scared, It was the permanence, the perfection, the fact-finding, the time, or maybe the lack thereof, but she kept affirming me that this was a means to sharing my message with more and on a different medium than I had ever used in the past. I couldn't be happier that she stayed on me and that this podcast has been put and brought into life. It brings me so much joy today, but in the planning phase, my mindset almost completely stopped me. So 2019 taught me to get support on my mindset if I'm procrastinating something. Number two, I am a big believer in attending in-person events, and I think that they're the best way to grow a business, and I'm actually totally fueled by them. The more people, the more relationships, the more shop talk, the better for me. I love this way of growth and visibility so much that I took 19 flights for business in 2019. No coincidence there. But to attend these events, it requires me getting on a plane, finding hotel or lodging, arranging childcare or taxi drivers for my teenage kids, and adjusting work and personal responsibilities. I have had to shift calls, create new, new boundaries, all kinds of things like that. And the downside to this is the administration that goes along with it and the stress of the balancing act, both personal and professional. So two planned trips this year didn't happen or they were cut short because of my family needs. And this could have been helped if I would have had somebody assisting me. 2019 taught me that I need support to thrive at in-person events and to balance the home while I'm away. Okay, number three. I started my business four years ago and it thrived. It built off of the connections that I made on social media, specifically in really engaged Facebook groups. Let's just say that a lot has changed in 2019 when it comes to social media. The algorithms have become a game and at times some of these channels just felt straight saturated. If I did what I did in the past few years, it wouldn't have resulted in much activity at all. So I was at a crux in my business earlier in the first quarter of the year and I was trying to win at the Facebook algorithm game. I wanted to grow using Facebook like I had in the past I was looking for visibility. And since this had worked for me in the beginning, I was pressing it to still work in the same using the same tactics I had used in the beginning, which was engaging, creating posts, etc. So I looked into what it would take me to win the game of Facebook. And after lots of good research, a course, maybe two, and some high-level strategy sessions with experts, I realized that I wasn't going to win without adding a dedicated resource for content creation. So I did what I thought I would never do. I diversified rather than going deep. I added an Instagram for my business and I developed a pretty healthy LinkedIn profile. Both are planned channels in addition to my Facebook. And speaking of Facebook, I have a business page, a business group, and four paid communities that I support. Adding these other two channels of Instagram and LinkedIn definitely added work to my team. But I have really benefited from both of those. I've gained depth from Instagram and LinkedIn is actually where I have seen a profitable risk and it's led to many conversions. So I haven't paid a dime for advertising on either of those channels and they've both been really fruitful for me. So I'm gonna continue with diversifying there. 2019 taught me to trust that there are more and profitable social channels beyond Facebook. And number four, since beginning to study online marketing, I've heard that lead magnets are going to grow your list. I heavily relied on personal relationships to grow my list in the past. That didn't lead to a big list, but it led to a really healthy, intimate list. Well, as my brand has expanded and I've niched down, so has my desire to reach more cold people, warm them up with real connective relationships. When I was beginning to feel like I had tapped the entire market and I wasn't reaching anybody else, I went back to online business 101. The Ops Authority team doubled down on opt-ins or lead magnets, whatever you want to call them, and we tried about six, maybe eight different lead magnets this year. And when we found, after testing, the two that actually worked the best We leverage them in Facebook ads, speaking events. I have used them at offerings with summits. You hear them on my podcast and in content upgrades. So altogether, my list has grown 151% to date and 2019 taught me to go back to the basics of marketing and create valuable opt-ins to grow your list. Number five, While we're on the topic of growth, I put my relationships to work by committing to being a guest on three dozen podcasts in 2019. That's 36 different podcasts. If you break that up, that is about three a month. I spent a lot of time getting my message more clear. And now that my audience is more defined, it's so much easier for me to do that and to see the impact of the outreach when you're in this position. I spent the time to create four particular talks that have opt-ins, related opt-ins to them, and I offer the most appropriate ones for the audience that I'm going to be connecting with. So it's so nice to have taken the time. If this is something that's important to you, it has been very fruitful to have created the talks, to be able to have really constructive conversations with the host. And as a host, I will tell you, it's so nice whenever you can hop on a mic and have a good idea and understanding of what this person wants to share and for me to craft a conversation that's going to be really helpful to the people that are listening. I've been able to grow my visibility by having the organization and specific goals around this. I can tell you if I was like, eh, I'll just be on podcast in 2019, that I probably wouldn't have strived and pushed to be on so many. So having goals certainly helped me. I oftentimes hear people saying, I see you everywhere. And that's true. And it's because I have totally worked at it. I also learned that I shouldn't do podcasts or meetings for that matter before 10 o'clock in the morning. So I'm committed to being at the top of my game when someone else is sharing their stage of any sort with me, whether that's speaking on a stage and a summit, it doesn't matter, or on a podcast. So 2019 taught me to leverage other mediums like podcasting and to be prepared for the interview. Number six, we're going to number eight, so we're almost there. Number six, I made some massive investments this year, specifically on legal and branding work. Almost $30,000 of my profits have gone into these two endeavors in 2019. Both are definitely needed and I'm overly satisfied with the vendors that I have selected and worked with and continue to work with. But first off, hear me out. If you have intellectual property, protect it. I want to stand at the top of a hill and just scream that for any business owner. If you're building your business off of a proprietary process or thought, please protect it. And that's exactly why I've spent so much money in doing that this year. You should eat the profit that you would have and invest in this. It's not a fun expense, and it's one that will give you authority and confidence in the future. I'm already feeling the effects of this, and I have copywritten and trademarked several pieces of my work this year. So again, a hard expense, but one that definitely makes me feel more secure. Another thing, before naming anything, please, please, please check with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, (USPTO) or an attorney to make sure that the name is available. Little uh, thought for you, remember the ops boss? Well, you probably get the drift. I will never again get into anything without doing a full search. My search was not enough. And so that's when my relationship with Jamie Lieberman from Hashtag Legal and I became much, much deeper friends. So she's been supporting me through this entire process. And then there was the branding project, and that was so big. If you have followed me longer than about six months, then you've probably seen me beforehand. I was branded as Natalie Gingrich. And I knew that I was changing into a different brand. And so I wanted to take on a new look and just polish it up. So that project lasted six months and it was much, much bigger than a website. It was rewriting every single page of copy, paying copywriters to look at it, to edit it, to create new pages. It was personal time for me to refine my offers, which was so cathartic and so good. It was the photography expense, branding, website design, development, the project manager, user experience testing, and loads of time and technology. So it was so, so worth it, but it's something I won't plan on doing for several years. Overall, my expenses were the highest that they've ever been since I've been in business, but these have all been super valuable, long-lasting investments. 2019 taught me that a year of high expenses can lead to better protection and a polished image. Both are important to me. (laughs) Number seven, if you followed my business for any length of time, you know, or you should know that I help women build their business operations. I do this by teaching business owners that are in the building phase. I certify and mentor operations experts by way of my director of operations certification. And I also build out and hire teams for seven and eight figure business owners. As much as I leverage online business principles for visibility and offer placement, there's one thing that I've learned. Connecting with people on a call leads to higher conversion, period. I have grown a larger audience, and with that, they know less and less about me. So, to get more sales, I know that I need to get on the phone with these prospects. This is the thing I absolutely love getting on the calls, and I can't even tell you why I have really cut those back in the last few years. But my services are expert level and they're super high touch. So the cost is higher than courses that you may be taking. So before someone new to me is going to invest in me, they're going to need to know me. So getting on a call is the best way and something that I'm definitely going to get better at and grow in in 2020. 2019 has taught me that one-to-one calls have the highest conversions and stop skipping them in the vein of time number 8 the final one is o data As an operations expert, I often come into businesses and define metrics, I set up scorecards, I create dashboards, and I've closely measured seven and eight-figure businesses with these techniques that I learned from various product lines in corporate America. Data is super scary, and it feels like the big guys or a grown-up business are the only people who should be doing this. Questions like, what do I even measure? What if it tells me something I don't wanna know? These are common thoughts that I've heard and I've felt from people as it relates to data. And as I've made changes to my offers, I've outlined what data would be helpful to me even before I start the delivery of the product or service. For example, when you join a team or the certification, you're going to be given a starting survey and at the conclusion, you're gonna receive another survey. The reason for me doing this is to see where I have opportunities, where the gains are, where the lacks are, and make those adjustments. I finally took the time to quantify what success looked like for both of these programs, and the feedback is so much more helpful for me to actually make changes that people need and also enhancements, and I will also say I've even been able to take away some of the work that I've already put in there because it wasn't necessary. Another great reason, I love sharing stats in my marketing materials. I know I'm a little bit of a data dork, but having these stats is really, really compelling and I feel like it's a differentiator. A lot of people don't have this information because either they're not interested or like I shared earlier, they may be a little bit scared of whatever they're going to hear. So while I did up-level on that portion of the data for my business, I feel compelled to admit that I've been lacking on the tracking of my digital marketing efforts. This is part of my scorecard that is going to be heightened in 2020. 2019 has taught me that data rules. With it, you learn, and without it, you gamble. This is something I practice so often in corporate, and I'm just like, ah, why did I get to this place? So thank goodness there's more time for changing and up leveling. So 2019 was a really big year. It wasn't my biggest revenue or my highest profit year, but it was the year that I fully transitioned into an education business rather than a client services business. I have so many more goals to attain, but I'm grateful for the lessons that I've lived and learned through this year. With every single episode of the Ops Authority podcast, I'm going to offer you an Ops activity for this week. The purpose is so that these episodes lead to action and they have real impact on your business. I hope that while I was sharing my lessons learned that you were thinking of yours. Would you write a social post or a blog post about your lessons learned in 2019 and tag the Ops Authority on any medium that you're using? It feels so good to take a few minutes to reflect and most importantly, to document it. And then there's something just super cathartic about being vulnerable and sharing it with your audience. That's real growth, and I invite you to do that activity this week, just like I have with you guys. Thanks so much for listening in this week, and I'll be back next Wednesday to share my framework for documenting your annual accomplishments. This practice is so important, and it's something that will be useful for you going forward. Maybe you're going to do this on a quarterly, semi-annual, or even annual basis, but I look forward to chatting with you then. Thanks, guys. Have